Blog Talk Radio. We are the Bride Radio as the voice of the true Bride of Christ. the bride of Christ to stand up and take your place in the army in the kingdom love but with the principalities and the powers of the air we are a ministry of prayer and we highlight what God is doing through other ministries and ministers across the globe we provide a platform for ministers and a place for the bride to come together and rally around each other Hold up each other's arms and pray for one another. WATV Radio celebrates the various missions that God has called each one of us to in this army. So we desire to promote and enhance the bride as a whole. Go bride! Our soon coming king awaits. This is a WATV disclaimer. The views and opinions expressed in this show do not necessarily reflect the views of We Are The Bride Ministry, We Are The Bride Radio, or We Are The Bride Television. Thank you. Dr. June Knight. Listen, Bride, it is my honor to host ministers from all over the world. We are honored to hear their life stories because it is for God's glory. What is their journey like? Listen with us today as we give God glory for this person. Amen. This is your host tonight, Dr. June Knight, coming to you from Washington, D.C. Yay! The nation. Listen, tonight, Bride, this broadcast is so important to us as a because we need to know what we're up against. We need to know the enemy so that we can know how to war. Amen. Listen, Bride, uh, I was reading this book that this person gave me called Seven Days with a Witch by author Don Allen. And I thought, what an odd title, first of all. And (laughs) I was looking at it and I was reading it. And listen, Brian, as soon as I started reading this book, I couldn't stop. I was captivated. I'm telling you, when you hear about this book, Brian, you will be too. Please give it up tonight. For Pastor Don Allen, how you doing, sir? Hey, everybody. Thank you. I'm doing good. Doing very good. Listen, I am so, so, so excited to have you on here tonight, sir, because the bride needs this so much. And I'm 
I'm very sad about how what happened to the witch, but I'm very excited to see how her story is being used for God's glory. Amen. Amen. Now listen, I want to tell y'all a little bit about this author. He says, uh, well, about this book, it says, The True Redemption Story of a High Witch of the Four Corners. She was sent by demons to kill this pastor, but love had a different plan. There is an underworld that exists in the cover of darkness. The allure of power and child, the High Witch of the Four Corners said, We are well organized. We are well funded. And it's not that we all like each other because we don't, but... An enemy of my enemy is my friend. We all came together for the destruction of the church and all things precious to God. My greatest weapon is that the church is refusing to believe that we actually exist. The denial is so prevalent that we can walk right into the doors of their churches. They seem so arrogant until they are challenged. We are taking this to their doorstep now. We aren't hiding anymore. We are coming to your town, your house, and bringing it to the doorstep of the churches. This is a story of two individuals, two kingdoms, two realms, two worlds colliding. Read this book with caution because it is a true story and it's not for the faint of heart. Now, Pastor, if you don't mind. No, it's uh, up to you. I can do it if you want me to. Yes, go ahead, and I'll add if I think of something. Yeah, yeah. So overall what happened was we were invited to to come and hold a tent revival in Chautauqua, Kansas, little bitty bitty town, little Midwestern town, Uh, not much of a population. I wouldn't think it reached 1,000. And I'd ministered down in this area before and held a few tent revivals in that area, or not tent revivals, but had a few revivals at this particular church uh, in a couple years previous. And and a decent turnout for a little town, no problem, good meetings. Uh, So in in preparing for this particular um, meeting this time, the pastor wanted to do a tent revival, hoping to maybe pull some folks in from the community if they saw the tent outside. And... um, it was, you know, and I, I say a strange thing. It wasn't a strange thing. It was a God thing that I, I began to feel like I needed to bring some help. And the Lord, you know, we've got to really begin to hear uh, what the Father is saying uh, because he's seeing ahead. He's the author and the finisher, right? He's, he's already seeing what's going to take place. And right. so this, this particular time I'm feeling like yeah, I need to bring some people even though I'm able to handle these meetings. I've preached to larger venues, you know, but I really felt – I got to bring some help this time. And so I brought some folks with me and, and we went down there and set up the tent. And overall what had taken place is there'd been a, a high witch that had been set up over that area uh, to rule that area for the purpose of being able to use the back roads to run uh, a heroin trade and a drug trade out of Joplin down into Oklahoma, Oklahoma city. And so she was kind of the spiritual covering for that area to be able to run this drug trade. I mean, that was the importance of the, of taking over the small town. And she literally right. held this town captive uh, under her power and had closed hey, down a number of the churches and the microphone better or anything or speak louder. Let's try this. This works better. Yes. That okay. Yes, sir. Go ahead. Perfect. Okay. So, 
she was ruling over that area for their drug trade um, and, and, and making converts, had already closed down three churches, uh, was working on this particular church when we had shown up, and, and we didn't know anything about this when we came in. We just thought we were going to have us a nice little tent revival. And, uh, but in the end, she was sent to stop that plan. And uh, then what happened from there was, was the book, Seven Days with the Witch. We literally spent seven days in Chautauqua, Kansas for this revival. And uh, the book is about what took place during those seven days and, uh, of course, and what had happened after, after we had left there. But it's kind of a yes, day-by-day walkthrough. I do want to stop you a minute, Pastor, because before we go further, uh, since the majority of my listening audience, they're all ministers, okay? Uh-huh. I want them to hear what caused this woman to become a witch because I think we can take this and we can learn from this. Amen. So if you don't mind, I'm going to read this little part out of your book, okay? Yeah, I do. Okay, thank you. Uh, This is after she got delivered. This is what she explained to his team. She finally explained to us that in 2011, she was in the Joplin tornado. She and her husband had been doing meth all day, and he was passed out in the upstairs bedroom. The sirens went off, and like most people that day, she didn't pay too much attention to it. I lived just outside of Joplin at that time, and the sirens had gone off a few times that week already. She was watching TV when the warnings came, and before she knew it, the tornado was upon them. She didn't have any time to try and save him. It destroyed their house, but she lived. They found her husband with his head almost completely severed from his body, and she said it was at that moment that a murderous spirit entered her body. A few days later, she tried to slit her own throat. This is why she was unable to talk. The scar tissue had caused some problems. She lost her children at the time and said she went full-blown into Satanism. See how... Um, offense will do somebody And plus Pastor didn't you say in the book That she had already been dedicated to Satan At how old Yeah she was dedicated I think the official dedication actually took place When she was 14 Where they held the ceremony Wow She lived her whole life under that Actually in the witchcraft What's that did you say both of her parents were in witchcraft? Uh, her whole family. Uh, this was mother, father, aunts, uncles, grandparents. It was kind of a, a legacy of it. Okay, now let's move on a little bit. Now you're at the revival, and you're you're up there preaching, and you see this woman. You see this woman in the audience, practically her eyes rolling in the back of her head. I mean, what was you thinking when you was up there trying to preach? I mean, it had to freak you out. (laughs) Yeah, when she first walked in, you could tell there were issues, you know, anyway. I mean, just when she walked in and she had locked eyes on me and was acting very strange. And at the time, I just thought, well, praise God, she's in the right place. You know, I mean, (laughs) hey, we're going to see some, you know, I mean, I didn't understand the depth of what was taking place. But I thought, well, praise God, you know, she's got some, some issues and, well, God will touch her. And uh, it's going to be okay. And so I get up and, and, you know, maybe 15 feet away, and I can actually see uh, her really well. And her eyes are rolling back in her head. She's passing out. And then she'd wake up. Her eyes would be solid black. And, and, you know, it's it's a little distracting. 
when you're seeing a demon manifest during your service and you're trying to just preach to the good folks of Satopa. And uh, so, you know, I mean, it was a little unexpected coming from that group, it, just from my previous experience with these people. Um, yeah. There was nothing like that around the, the first couple of times. It was kind of a nice, neat, sweet uh, meetings that we had. And uh, here she was. And so when it, when it got far enough, I, I actually, it just started angering me that the devil would dare to do that and, and yeah. to be so disruptive and to, and to do that to her. And so it was really kind of a, you know, it, it does you well to be angry moment. Uh, and, and so I was, uh, you know, I was just fed up with it. And I finally just had to stop preaching and I closed my Bible and I said, you know what, that's it. We're going to deal with this and we're going to deal with it right now. Oh man, what'd you do? So I called her out. I said, you, get up here right now and I pointed at her you get up here right now and she started squirming yeah, her eyes went black at that point you have never cast a demon out before no I had sure oh you had okay sure. oh yeah 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 we've been to Africa and, and some other places but nothing nothing that we saw that was quite like this I mean we saw some things in oh, Africa okay, there's gotcha. been some folks here yeah we've cast out demons and, and some people here but this was this was whole other level thing. Um, right. These, this woman was truly, you know, these other folks, they never intended harm. You know, they, they definitely had opened the door for demonic oppression. This woman yeah. was fully possessed and happy to be. And, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, it was her life and, and just not knowing any better. So it was, it was definitely a different uh, animal, if you will. And uh, yeah. even just her sheer size, she was very intimidating. Uh, she was very large, tall, big, intimidating, kind of bully-type person anyway. So, I mean, she just really fit the whole package of somebody you just wouldn't want to meet in a dark alley, you know. I mean, she just really was intimidating right? anyway. But, yeah. uh, but now with the Spirit of God on you, you know, boy, I call her out, and I said, you're going to get up here right now. And she fought it, and I said, get up here right now. And she could not resist. And wow. she had to get up. And so she came forward, fighting it with everything in her, body twisting, bones making weird noises. I mean, just manifesting in front of us, body moving in ways a human body can't move. And growling and spitting and cussing and the whole thing. And so the difference this time was, you know, we've had some encounters and, and, you know, you get those powerful times where you're, in the name of Jesus, and you're casting out demons, and you're naming them, and you're throwing them out, and you're doing all these things, and this was nothing like that. I felt none of those same feelings like I felt before when you step up to a battle. You know, like you're, you're getting yourself kind of geared up, and your heart's pounding, and your adrenaline's running, and none of that was happening this time, and I'm thinking, I need to be a little more concerned here <laughs> about what's about to take place, because I, I'm, right. I, feel it too much, I feel too much peace is how I felt. And and so it was kind of freaking me out a little. Um, yeah. But sure enough, there she was, and I'm I'm standing there, and I'm like, Lord, what what are we doing? And all I heard was, God loves you. And and I said the words, God loves you. And oh, she'd manifest and spit and growl and pull away from me. And at this point, I got a couple other people up there with me, and I I just held onto her hands and I said, Look at me, look at me. God loves you. And that's all I could say. And I just kept saying it just that way. God loves you. And, and, and she would just twist and manifest. And then she finally said, 
I'm a witch. And I said, I don't care. God loves you. So that went on for quite some time. And that's the only words I could say. I didn't name the demons. I didn't run down like we did before. I just kept saying, but God loves you. And everything she'd come back with, yeah, but God loves you. And and so when that's kind of finally, after a while, calmed down a little bit to where it's now more her speaking than the demons and, yeah. and able to, to know that they were leaving her at that moment and you could see it upon her and it was renting her. I mean, really like the Bible describes, it was really renting her body. And she was screaming, I'm going to die. They're going to kill me. I'm, I'm dying. And uh, mm-hmm. so, I mean, it was really a big production there in those demons leaving her body. And so once that took place, you could kind of see that there she was just kind of this crumpled up mess of, of a human where the demons had just dumped her body. And now I said, it is sad after, after serving them for 30 years to get dumped like that, just to leave her to die. They wouldn't have cared. And so I said, now are you ready? And she accepted Jesus Christ as her Lord and savior. And I mean, it was just an amazing experience. And she stood up and she was pretty weak at that moment. And she began to explain that she had summoned six of the strongest demons that she ever knew to try to kill me while she was standing in front of me. And none of them could do anything. None of them could do anything. Well, I want you to explain to the bride about uh, her level of spiritual authority that she had. You've got it right here that she was, uh, the way she described it is the witch of the high witch, Okay, Angelique shared with him that she was the high witch of the four corners. I asked her what that meant, but she didn't want to share too much at that time, other than to tell me that this was way more serious than I knew. She did explain, however, that she was appointed. Now, listen, Brian, this is a witch. Okay, she was appointed to rule over the four-state region of Missouri, Oklahoma, Kansas, and Arkansas, and that they, her family, would not be happy. And she went on to hesitantly share with me how she was sent to kill me and the others that were there with me that night. And you said that she had shared with you she had killed people before. So this was not anything to play with, right? Right. Right. And when I had asked her, well, how did you think you were going to do that? And she very matter-of-factly said I was going to slit your throat. And kill you. When that murderous spirit entered her body, the reason that she had that scar on her neck is she tried to cut her own head off. She tried to slit her own throat. And so that's how she had killed these other three others, minus her grandmother. She had killed her own grandmother by ODing her. But that was her first kill for the devil to prove her allegiance. But she... um, yeah, that was how she was going to do it. Is she was going to slit my throat, and I said, well, "You were just going to do that right here in front of everybody." I mean, how did you think that was going to happen? And she said, "You never would have seen me coming." So when I began to ask her, "Well, what do you mean?" And so jokingly, just in conversation at times, I said, "What do you have a broom?" And she said, "I don't have a broom, but you better bet I can fly." And she talked mm-hmm. about how the demons would possess her in such a way 
she said this to me, and this is something that I'm just going to bring this up to everybody, not as a fear thing. So don't allow fear to get into you. When I thought you saw something move, something dark, something, a shadow, and your hair kind of came up on your neck a little bit. And she said, that's us. She said, we are clothed in darkness. And so she said, when you see something like that or you sense something like that, she was just giving me a warning to say, don't ignore that. She said, you never got a good Well, I know, they, I know they spirit travel. Uh, I yeah. was, that was one of the questions I've got. I've got seven questions to ask you tonight. The one about spirit travel, uh, I've experienced them spirit traveling to me. When I went and prayed over the Masonic temples here in D.C. and in this town mm-hmm. I live in, the next day uh, I was cooking breakfast. And they had traveled over to my window, but they couldn't cross the window because of the blood. And I told them, I said, I see you. You need to leave in Jesus' name. Uh-huh. But I want, I want you to explain to uh, the audience about spirit travel. Did she explain how they do that? She just talked about it truly being inside as well. But she was just talking about, for them, it was truly surrendering yourself over and she described it a lot in line with uh, the Native Americans who would shapeshift. Uh, they would also uh, attach their spirit to the spirit of an animal and spy on their enemies through the eyes of a crow or a wolf or a, you know. I mean, I know all that sounds really far out, but truly that was a lot of what she was talking about that they do is to be able to to spy on people. And so that's what she was describing there when she would basically, like you said, spirit travel uh, and, and you would kind of just catch a, your spiritual eyes are open, whether you're born again or not. You are a spirit being, whether you're born again or not, you're a spirit. And you're going to see things at times that you can't explain because your spiritual eyes are open. And so we do yeah. catch those glimpses at times, even in the natural, even, uh, even when we aren't expecting to or looking to. There are times when, when that window is open and you will see into that other room. Okay, I've got the next question. When she, on page uh, 36, when she talks about, uh, listen to this, Bride, she was talking about boundaries, okay? Like, with her being over those states, okay, we know that mm-hmm. in the kingdom of they have uh, a hierarchy, you know, kind of like the military. Uh, they mm-hmm. have a hierarchy. Oh, sure. They're very well organized, correct? Yes, very organized, yes. Okay, so on page 36, she said that the boundaries that they go by is like a cell tower. Uh, Some places they can see and hear us, uh, and they spirit travel to spy. Can you explain what she meant by that, or do you want me to read it to you real quick? Yeah, well, she was talking about that specifically, I think, when we were talking about meeting her brother. And, and she okay. said we need to go, and we need to go meet at a certain yes, area. Yes, brother. Yes. Okay. And You're she right. said, "Yeah, we need to go. We need to go meet at a certain area where they won't see us." And I said, "Well, how can they not see you? What do you mean? Like, there's a where do we go?" And she said, and that's the only way she could describe it was there's just some places where um, they have authority or dominion at times to be able to see. And then there's some places where it's like self-service 
you lose service. And that's the best way she could describe it. And she really tied it back more to later on. And I mean, it's kind of a deep study. She tied it more back to the people that have come before us and truly talking about the earth and, and, yeah. and people that prayed or uh, things that happened in those areas possibly before we ever came. We don't know who took a knee somewhere and prayed and, and cried tears in the ground somewhere. You know, I mean, those were some of the things that she was talking about, that there's truly some areas that there's really a connection there with with the soil, with the, the earth. And if we look back in our Bible, I mean, we can see that's that's kind of important. The Lord talked about that a lot. Wherever your foot goes, you'll have I, that territory. The terminology I think of is like portals, you mean? Yes, like they're, they're sure. portals to heaven or portals to hell in certain places. Right, and and it was more of of so she talked a lot about ancient things, ancient demons. But you understand, there's ancient angels, and so sure there are some that are going to be set up in areas where you know what, devil, you're just not coming over here. And so that was kind of the way she described it later on. Uh, she didn't give a lot of detail in that part necessarily, but that was yeah. kind of how I was taking it. That there was just this was. This was something established way before we were here, is, is the way she yeah. was making it sound. Now, these areas well, were already determined before we came. Right. Also, didn't she talk about, uh, I know she talked about speaking in tongues. When she first got saved, uh, yeah. that was the thing that she wanted to do just immediately was to speak in tongues. And you asked her, why do you need to speak in tongues? Can you explain that to everybody? Boy, she came rushing in the tent a few days later. I don't know if it was three days, I yeah. think, maybe later. She came yeah. rushing in the tent just after being born again, after being the high witch three days earlier. She comes rushing in the tent that night in a panic, and she says, I've, I've got to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Maybe she said baptized. I don't remember which, but I, I've got to be filled with the Holy Ghost and speak in tongues. And she was in a panic. And I said, whoa, 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 whoa. And I, and I was thinking to myself, what? What do you know about it? You were going to slit my throat three days ago. You were serving. Yeah. What do you know about tongues? And so when I asked her, I said, well, what are you talking about? How do you know anything about that? And she said, oh, we know all too well the power of tongues. And I said, what? She knows more about it than we do. I was embarrassed to yeah. say it. She said, oh, when a believer prays in tongues, she said, it's kind of like um, – like when we cast spells, it, it, there's a power there, and we don't know what to do with it, though. We can't defeat somebody who prays in tongues. We don't know what to do with that. We know all the languages of the world through the demons interpreting those to them. We know all the languages of the world, but when somebody prays in tongues, we don't know what to do with that, and we can't do anything. Our spells don't work. Wow. That's awesome. Okay, the next question I have for you is this. On page 44, the witch explains how, uh, and listen, Bride, you need to pay attention to this because this, I was like, what? Okay, on page 44, the witch said that uh, when she did spells, that she had to have action with her body. Now, can you explain what she meant by that and... Uh, is there any correlation to us with that as well? 
Well, we understand. Yeah, you know, she she was right. talking. She Go was ahead. talking about. Yeah, I guess I could have gone over there. She was talking about. I think at that time when she was talking about casting spells, and I thought yeah. this was an amazing statement when she said. In order to cast a spell, you first have to go to the book. Now, just listen to the parallel as us as believers. Her saying to cast a spell, you got to go to the book of spells. And in that book of spells, you've got to find the spell. And then when you find the spell, you have to read the spell out loud. You can't just think it. You have to read it out loud, and you don't change anything. You have to read it line for line exactly the way it is and then do exactly what it says to do. And how often do yes. we not take the power of the word of God and do the same thing? Right. Because they're believing in the word of what they're saying. Well, it's a, it's a false faith. Uh, it's a counterfeit yeah, faith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're believing in what they're doing so much that they read, they read the line. And you can't change it, you can't skip it, and you have to believe it, and you have to speak it out loud to make it work. You don't get to just yes, think if it. if you don't mind, I'm going to read this paragraph to him. Listen, yes. Brian, this, this is uh, page 44. He said, after we instructed her, she made the observation that there is a parallel between how things work in the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. This is what I was trying to ask you, Pastor. Okay, she further explained that using chains to help someone understand that freedom belongs to them was exactly how she was taught to work spells. She told me that in witchcraft, you have to physically work spells. You could Mm -hmm. read spells, but that wasn't enough. She explained that spells require speaking combined with some action in the natural to possess the spiritual ability to work the spell in order to manipulate people and matter. Guess what is hitting my spirit? That's faith. That, yes, Pastor, that is that's, faith. Yes, that's what faith is because faith without works is dead. Is dead. You know, like God telling me, I want you to go to Washington, D.C., even though you don't see anything there, it takes the step of going over and the act of obeying his word. Yes. That's what she said. In there, right? That's it. That's it exactly. And she was talking about Angela, uh, somebody that was with us. Angela had put chains on Angelique. She got these big tired toe chains and put them on Angelique and said, now stand up and get them off of you. Just, just stand up and get the chains off of you. And she stood up and the chains fell on the ground. And Angela said to Angelique, now stand on them. Put them under your feet. And she said, it's that simple. The chains are broken. They hold no power over you. Just stand up and be free. And she was yeah. just trying to show her that if you can get that picture in your mind, that Satan tries to weigh you down with things. But saints, all we got to do is stand up. Rise, arise. <laughs> just stand yeah, up Lord. and be who you're supposed to be. And that's what she was telling her. Is, there is no power to keep you down anymore. Just stand yeah. up. Yes, Pastor, you're firing me up tonight. Okay, next question. All right. Also, on page 44, now this is very serious. This is a lesson we need to hear about. You talk about reversing the curse tour. Now, I would like for you to explain that to us because 
She released it out of her mouth whenever she cursed the city. And then now she must go back and make it right and repent for what she released. Please, please, please talk to us about that. Yes. So I don't want anyone to make a doctrine out of this issue, okay? What I do want you to understand is we were doing this a lot for her, for her to be able to see that she had the authority to be able to stand up to demons that she didn't have before. So that was half of it. And then the other half is, I understand that maybe you and I, you know, like I'm here, I'm just going to go ahead and and throw this out there. I'm going to come see you and you and I are going to do a little tour, a little reverse the the curse tour around Washington, DC. But I understand that you and I may not have the people with us who actually placed the curses. So I don't want everyone to, to get hung up on that. Um, because, you know, you and I maybe won't have the exact people there, but that's okay. But the yeah. point made was we got to speak. So with her specifically, we wanted to take her back to the exact three points where she placed curses upon this town. And we called it the reverse the curse tour for, again, one for her to be able to see. But then for yeah. another, I kind of just wanted to kick the devil in the teeth a little bit and show him, look at what she's doing to you now. So. I thought it'd be great if she did it to really show Satan that you have no power here. That, you know, the one person that you thought you had more than anybody, you don't have. So I loved that she was able to go there and stand there and she was able to name the demons. Now that was the crazy thing. Now we we need to catch this. Now we got to stop messing around with low level demons. And what I mean is this, there is a hierarchy in the kingdom We do not wrestle against powers, principalities, might have been. Guys, there's a hierarchy structure in the demonic realms. And we've got to go straight to the top and take out what I would call their their prince over a region. So when when we're warring, I don't want to deal with demons of alcohol. I don't want to deal with demons of drugs. I, I just hear what I'm saying. Those are low level demons that are kind of fruit of a larger root problem. So let's stop, let's stop messing with root. Uh, and let me even say this, as ugly as it is, abortion is a fruit of a root problem. So um, um, the things you were dealing with today with Israel, th- this is fruit of a root problem. Let's go to the top and take the prince out, the prince of the power of the air. We got to go to the top and find out who that is. So when Angelique is standing there on the, on the banks of this little, I think it was Neosho River, And I said, you name them. And she said, Baal. And I said, who? She said, Baal. And I said, wait a minute. And she said, Balaam and and Asherah. And I said, wait a minute. Do you know who they are? They're in the Bible. She said, well, I don't know if they're in the Bible or not. Those are the three main rulers over the area. Balaam, Baal, and these are Old Testament demons that Moses had to battle. So, guys, we got to start recognizing the top because when the head falls, do you guys remember the story with Goliath? Now, you remember what Goliath said. He said if you – they sent out two champions, and Goliath said this. If you are able to defeat me, we will serve you. If you take me, we all fall. Right. This is the importance of why he cut his head off. Because he defeated him, put a stone between his eyes, dropped him, 
because this is something Angelique and I talked about. Dropped him. He went over there, took the sword, cut his head off, and it was when he held the head up, when the headship was gone, all the enemy fled. Their covering was gone. So that was just a reflection of what was taking place in the spirit realm, is if you go to the top and take the head, the rest will fall. Well, I would like to give another example, if you don't mind. I learned this from a minister in Texas about the demon and the hierarchy. The way that he described it, he said the Lord gave this to him in a vision because he's been casting demons out for 35 years. He travels and does conferences. But he said that the Lord showed him in a dream that it's like a carrot underneath the ground. That's the root, the carrot. And then the result of that huge fat root is all the tentacles at the top. Yes. And he said the tentacles is all the different fruits of the reactions of the root. Like the root, you know, you have murder and then it's like suicide, death, yes. you know, blah, all yes. the different reactions of it, lying, stealing, you know. But attacking yes. the main root is how people truly get healed. So the question is then, when she went out there to reverse the curse that she had placed, uh, did you feel a difference in the atmosphere of the city after she did that or what? Absolutely. We we started out at the river, then we drove down to uh, Gravel Road out in the middle of nowhere at the total other end of of the town, and then we went out towards Kansas or out towards uh, another part of Kansas there. Um, out towards the west um, by another part of the river. And it was when she finally, this was the other thing. She talked about using the waterways. She talked about waterways. And how she cut herself. Yeah, she bled into the water. And she put a curse on the water that wherever the river would flow, that that evil power would go with it. And people had, had been reported drowning or someone had just drowned there and some different things or even flooding, any of those kind of things. She put a curse on the waterway to be able to get it into some areas where maybe she didn't go. And so that's something else that we probably, you know, we need to begin to pray about as well. It's just they're In other finding words, avenues. They're ruthless. Yes. They're ruthless. Yeah, they're, you know. they are. They're just finding avenues. But we should be as ruthless so to speak, <laughs> to, to be able to be on top of our game and take advantage of, of the original creation where we were to rule over uh, this creation that God placed upon the earth. So if they can curse it, we can bless it. Yeah. And so we've got to start beginning to, that was the other thing she said is I don't even have to curse this town anymore. You all do it with all the stuff that you say about it. She said, I don't yeah, even have to curse the town anymore. thought about that too. Uh, she was talking about the Christians, right? Yes, she talked about the pastors and the church leaders who would talk about the town. All oh, these people, they don't care. They're so hard. There's no money here. Nobody cares. She said, I don't even have to curse this town anymore. You all do it for me. That's powerful. That, yeah, it is. That is powerful. We've well, got power in our words, you, friends. Yeah, I want you to talk to the bride a minute about the hierarchy. When you say that, uh, can you kind of explain it like the way the military does? Yes, so that is really the thing. If you look back in, it would be more reflective in in old times when they would um, come out on horses, let's say. You know that the leaders always stayed behind. 
and watched from afar the battle. So the general or the, or the main leaders would sit way far away, and they would send out all the guy, other guys first and allow them to keep going, keep going, keep going. But here's what we've got to do is we've got to find a way to get around that and not fight through the middle through all this stuff. We're wearing ourselves out. So we, we don't need to fight up the middle, guys. God can give us a plan of attack where we can circle around and backdoor the devil and take him out. And so as that general sits up there, you know, there's a lot of people you got to go through if you're going to go right up the middle. If you begin to just think of like the Civil War when they used to, you know, where they would line up in, a, in rows and rows of, of battle. And, and boy, you couldn't get through that if you just tried to run through the middle. You wouldn't make it. And that's what most Christians are doing is we're trying to get to the general running up the middle. You're just not going to make it. We gotta well, that's plan. because I've heard so much teaching out there. I don't know, like, uh, what denomination you are or whatever, but there's a lot of teaching out there that talks about, uh, you know, territorial. Like, if you don't have the authority in a territory, you cannot go after those territorial demons. You know, you have to have authority there. And then... Even if you have the authority over there, you should not go after the top principalities. That's the way they're teaching it. Well, I tell you what, I don't know. I don't know what others are saying, but I'm going to tell you what. I still believe the greater is He that is in me than He that is in this world. And if my God defeated the main, the main one in Satan Himself, I can't see how I could fail going after any others. If Christ in me truly is greater than, and uh, certainly it's not something you want to try. Also, think about. That says, uh, you know, if God is for me, who can be against me? He you told know, us if he sent us out he, there that nothing was going to hurt us. I mean, he's he's backed us up here, right? He's he set us up to for victory, but we have to start warring from a position of victory. You can't go into this thing full of fear and doubt and wonder. You, you can't create your theology in the middle of a crisis is what I'm saying. You better have some things already settled, already know what you're going to do. But if you do and you trust your God, I'm telling you, we can walk in anywhere and begin to take these devils out, and nothing shall by any means harm you. But again, it's don't, well, let don't me ask you this. Let me ask you this. As far as your own personal experience with this woman, Angelique, what was the greatest thing about the spiritual warfare that you took out of your experience with her? What I discovered, this was kind of the coolest thing, was truly that we win. And it really was, again, battling from a position of victory, already knowing that my king has won the victory, that he's already, wow. he's already, cast, yeah, he already cast Satan out. Jesus said, yeah. I, you know, when they came back reporting, they said, man, even the demons are subject to us in your name. I mean, look what the 70 did. Their first report when Jesus sent them out wasn't, oh, man, we had some good services and we had some of the best praise and worship Jesus. And I mean, they didn't even talk about healings. They didn't say, oh, a lake grew and a blind eye opened. Their report, the 70 came back and said, we went straight after the demons and the demons were subject to us through your name and they made it first person and paul did the same thing he said i can do all things through christ who strengthens me but hey yeah i'm the guy that's got to show up to the battle so stop asking jesus to do what he commissioned us to do for the past two thousand years we're right. here 
He left to send us the Holy Spirit. You got to be filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized, fire baptized, tongue talking, and you can set out there and begin to cast out devils, heal the sick, raise the dead, and cleanse the lepers. Well, one of our viewers has a question for you. I guess she's read your book. Her okay. question is Have you already talked about the older lady that she gave a demon to at the church? She has questions no. about why is she not healed yet? Do you know uh, what she's I don't talking about? Yeah, I know what she's talking about. I don't know why the woman wouldn't be healed. I don't think Angelique ever pulled that curse off of her. When we found out about it, I always wanted to go back and make sure that I backed everything up with the pastor and that she wasn't just telling me stuff. And yeah, so yeah. I would go and ask the pastor, did this really happen? And he, oh, yeah, 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 it did. It really happened. And so he had told us about that lady down there. And so our plan had been when this week was over to get back with Angelique, then we were going to go back and we were going to go right the wrongs. And I was going to take Angelique, and we were going to go on another little tour there. And people that she cursed and places that she'd been and people that she had hurt, I wanted to take yeah. her back and and to really minister to those people now and let them see Christ in her and then begin to yeah. watch Angelique now be able to lay hands on the sick. But we didn't get that opportunity. I know. That was one of the next questions I had to ask you because – I don't know if you saw where I was reading the book live. <laughs> listen, to Pastor, I, I never do that. I was laying in my bed just reading this book, you know, just chilling. And then mm-hmm. I was like, oh, man, this fire was going off on the inside of me. I was like, oh, I've got to go live. I've got to show the bride. I've got to tell them. And so I get the bride on there, and I read a certain part, and I get off. <laughs> and then I keep reading. I was like, I got to go live again. Okay, so That's the awesome. next time, I I just stayed on there. But listen, when it got <laughs> to the park, dang, I was crying so hard. That yeah. just hurt me so much because I was so happy for her. I was so yeah. happy that she found Jesus after her parents had dedicated her to Satan. And then yes. she went through all that torture. And then the deal happened with her husband, and then she finally finds, you know, and then the devil just would not leave her alone. No, no, he didn't. Can you talk about what happened there? I'm still sad about it. Yeah, and it just ended up that, you know, we, we were working hard to pull her back out of that lifestyle. So, you know, when we left there, we kind of just threw her right back in because there was nobody there to follow up, to help, to watch, to do any of that. And we all lived three and a half hours away. So we were right. doing our best by phone, but she truly was being stalked. I mean, they were not going to give her up. Oh. And, and so they just kept coming and they kept coming and they kept coming and tormenting and, and fear and all these different things. They kept coming after her, just attacking her. Uh, and, but the cool thing was she recognized it because it's all the things she grew up doing. So there was nothing new they were doing that she didn't recognize. But to be on the receiving end of it was pretty hard. And she was very concerned about trying to get her children. So we had it set up that three days before uh, that we were about three days away from being able to go get her and her children and take them to Teen Challenge. And we were going to say we're going – 
Teen Challenge was going to bend their rules and allow her to bring her children, which they don't do. But when we talked to uh, Teen Challenge, they said, hey, we'll figure it out later. Just get them here. So they were bending their rules and allowing us – they were going to allow us to go ahead and get her up there, and we were three days away from doing that when we got the phone call. Oh, well, now you got to tell them what happened. What happened to her again? Well, the phone call, and I got it, and, and a couple others got it as well, and it was basically just this. The phone rang, and it was Angelique's phone number, and the voice on the other end was not Angelique, and the message was this, Angelique's dead. Click. That's it. Now, at first, it wasn't very startling because we had received a lot of messages that way. And the demons speaking through people were saying that a lot. We're going to get her now. She's ours now. We received text messages like that for months that she's ours. We've got her back, all these different things. So what do you, you know, Angelique's dead. Well, is she, you know, maybe, maybe not. We didn't know. But, yes, eventually – I made some phone calls to people that I know that are, are associated with the Joplin uh, Police Department, and they were able to confirm to me that, yes, she was dead. Hmm. Well, I'm so sad about it, but like you said in the book, because after I finished my crying spell, uh, you did say in the book that uh, her life is going to change probably millions of people. I mean, like, yes. just her story of a tortured life like this and and the impossibilities of the occult of feeling impossible. And then for her to find Jesus and knowing that she is in a much better place now. I mean, you feel good knowing that she's uh, with the Lord now and not tortured anymore, you know? Right. Right, for sure. It was sad because one of the last things that she had said to me, she was just kind of pondering things, you know, and she said, do you really think, do you really think, Donnie, that you and I will travel around churches and tell people about this someday? I said, oh, yeah, for sure. For sure we will. And that was one of the last things that she had said, that she was really looking ahead to being able to go and minister about this with me and to tell people the truth and, and hope that they would receive it coming from an ex-high witch and not just some preacher somewhere. And so, uh, go ahead. How how old was she? 35, 34. Wow. 34 or 5. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was funny one day, one afternoon she had called, and we'd really been having a hard time with her. Just she struggled a lot. They just kept trying to get her, and, and she was having a hard time. So she would call two or three, two or three times a day, me and some of the others. And, and so, you know, honestly, sometimes when you saw that number, you were like, okay, what are we doing now? You know, cause I mean, it was, yeah, you knew it just wasn't going to be, Hey, how you doing? You know, this was going to be something. And so you're like, okay, okay, what, what do we got now? And so I remember I was in my office and the phone, I saw her number come up. So I immediately got up and went outside you know, because I thought, all right, we're we're going to get into this thing again. And so I was outside, and, and I said, hey, Angelique, hey, friend. I would always say, hey, friend, what's going on? And uh, immediately she said, um, I saw it. That's me. That's me. And I said, what are you talking about? And she's yelling, that's me. She said, I was reading in the Bible, 
which was amazing. I was reading in the Bible, which we had bought her a Bible, and I saw the, the, the man with a legion of demons. That was me, and Jesus didn't flinch. You guys oh. didn't flinch. You didn't flinch. She said, nobody oh. ever stood in front of me. And she said, Jesus didn't flinch, and you guys didn't flinch. That was me. And she was so excited to see somebody that she could relate to and, and to see his story where he stayed behind and he went and ministered. Jesus said, no, you stay here, and now you go and minister. And she really grabbed a hold of that, that I will be a minister of the goodness of God. And she yeah. was so excited. Well, I would like for amazing. you to talk to us about part two. There is a big part two. Part yeah, part two is a little bit on hold only because of good news that I currently – we are in the process of, of working towards a movie. Um, so I just received the first ten pages of the, the um, screen right to Seven Days with a Witch. So we have some people working on that um, that will be looking to turn this into a movie – and the movie will show uh, some of what would have been in the second book. But that being said, the second book will go more in depth into some of the things that Angelique began to talk to me about. And um, like demons that are behind what we would just call birth defects or diseases. Um, she talked about people who are bipolar uh, and she talked about how there's demonic influences behind those things that we – that they have successfully masked as medical conditions but are truly a spiritual condition. Right, right. And so, uh, yeah, so we'll go into a lot of those details, and then we'll go into the hierarchy of how the, how the Bible describes, um, you know, the hierarchy of that system. Uh, the kingdoms of the world. You remember when Satan took Jesus uh, up on the high place and he said, all these kingdoms have been given to me and they are mine to do with whatever I want to do. And I'll give them to you if you bow. Well, he was talking about actual earthly kingdoms. They were overlooking uh, a land. And he was talking about that there are places that we have surrendered that he's able to rule over just like Angelique was ruling over the four corners. So we'll talk about a lot of that warfare that we can fight and, and be able to start taking back territory because that's what he wants. You remember uh, the man with legion. You remember yeah. the demons were fine with being cast out of the man. Just don't cast us out of the region. Please don't cast yeah. us out of the region. They yeah. wanted the territory. They didn't care about the man. They wanted the territory. We've been fighting this so boxed in and so small he doesn't care about the person. I'm talking about the devil. He wants the yeah. territory. So that's right. why it was so important for Jesus to tell that man, now you're going to stay in this territory, and you're going to spread the good news. You know, he had to send them into pigs because they didn't want to leave the territory. Well, the pigs committed suicide. They had to leave anyway because they have to have a body to possess. That's why they're always seeking whom. Uh, so what's going my spirit right now, Pastor, is I'm thinking about the church. We yeah. do not realize the authority that we have and what we carry. Mm -hmm. I mean, if we was as serious as the witches was, you know what I mean? Like, can you imagine what we would get done in the kingdom? 
Oh, my goodness. If we could wake up to truly who we are. And here's the cool thing, guys. We've made this a little bit harder than it should be because we've thrown a lot of titles, and I'm not disrespecting titles and, and, you know, pastors, prophets, evangelists. I'm not disrespecting the title. But let me tell you, friends, there's no title more important than son or daughter. Those titles right there, those hold more weight than anything else. Or as you would maybe just say, if we wanted to really encapsulate it, the bride. There is nothing more important of a title. We need no excuse now to go do what we are called to do. We're just doing what we do because we're sons and daughters, because we're the bride. And we act a certain way because we are the bride. And we carry certain authority because we are the bride. But there's no bride without a husband. The husband, our father, he's overseeing us. So our authority comes from him, but it will be seen through the body. And friends, all we have to do now is just... Pastor, is since this deal with this uh, lady, your experience with her, how has this changed your life? Like, has it changed your church? Has it changed the way that you minister or what? Well, first of all, I guess I should have said this probably earlier. I'm not a pastor. I'm an evangelist. I don't have a church. Uh, We have an evangelistic outreach here, the Midwest Healing Center. Um, oh, that's why so I that said, Yeah, so I travel. I travel and minister all over. And, uh, I mean, we do hold weekly meetings here, but not, not like that exactly. Um, but anyway, that being said, um, it has changed our, our, our folks here and everywhere that we go when we begin to minister. I begin to now know that as I come into a territory to go ahead and start seeking Holy Spirit as to what needs to be bound up before we even begin. Oh, just what on, what is here? How do you do that? You know, just just begin to seek Holy Spirit because again, I think of the yeah. seventy. They went forth in all the places where Jesus would come. So that means Jesus hadn't been there yet. So here we are asking Jesus, "Oh, come here, come here into my town, come here to my town." No, no, no. Get the town ready, and I'm coming. So He sent them out before He came, and what did they do? They went and bound up all the devils. Then Jesus was able to walk in and do what it was that he was supposed to do, unhindered. So that's what I'm saying is that now I come into a place, and before I release Jesus upon these people, I'm going to go ahead and find out who's ruling here, Lord. Can you tell me? Holy Spirit, can you expose who's ruling here? And we need to start binding him up. Because whatever I bind on earth is going to be bound in heaven. I'm going to go ahead and bind him up right now so that my Jesus can come into this town and minister to these people. And so we're able to, because Holy Spirit, he knows all things, and he begins to reveal what direction now, instead of just shotgunning this thing and hoping that I hit one, let's get specific and start finding out what's going on in this town. What's causing this oppression? Because you can feel that when you come into a town. There's just an oppression that lays on some of these towns. Some of them you can feel an evil when you come in there. So let's go ahead and get them pinpointed by the power of Holy Spirit. He'll give us that wisdom. We can begin to war properly. And, and stop messing around because the devil really likes to keep us busy and being distracted. Yeah. So let's just get That's, right to it and let's get them out of there. Well, I would like for you to talk to the pastors that are listening uh, across the country. What advice would you give them about spiritual warfare in their church and in their region? What advice would you give ministers? The biggest thing that I want to tell them, and I'm talking to pastors specifically. Do not ignore that you have an enemy. That's the best advice that I can give you. 
we have fallen into this ditch on one side where we say, if I talk about the devil at all, then I'm giving him too much credit. Friends, let me tell you something. Jesus never ignored that he had an enemy. Paul never ignored he had an enemy. Peter never ignored Luke. These guys did not ignore that there was a real enemy. We're trying to act like we're going to ignore him and he's going to go away while he's running rampant right in front of our faces, attacking our people. But we're so afraid that if we say anything, we're giving him credit. Just don't ignore the enemy. Let's call him out. Let's bust him out. Do it and handle it right there. And then keep that continuous clean house. I mean, just stay on top of it. Recognize it for what it is. Because, again, guys, we've all done this. Our spirit man sets off alarms. And we've seen that when somebody walks into the church possibly or in your presence and things start, alarms start going off in you. That's the spirit of God saying, hey, we've got a problem here. Don't ignore that. We're so afraid we're going to offend people. I'll tell you what, hell will offend them. And those demons tormenting him is probably pretty offensive. So let's just go yeah. ahead and confront people. And I'm not saying we're looking for demons behind every tree because that's not what we're doing. But I'll tell you what, we've so gone the other way that we're ignoring every demon that's standing right in front of our face. And that's what Angela said. We can walk right into the church and join the church now, and you all don't do a single thing about it. And she asked me, why can I walk into a church and see the spirits on the people? And she said, a spirit of lust a spirit of alcohol, I can see a spirit of anger, but they can't see the spirits on me. She said, I don't leave home without summoning six demons to be with me at all times, and I can walk into any church in this town, and they'll let me walk right in and sit down. That's something that we got to start waking up to, folks. We really do. This is a time of war. I think a lot I can hear with the pastors, I can hear what they're thinking. Some of them are probably thinking they're kind of weary of, or leery, of goofiness. You know what I mean? Like, uh, if they try to address spiritual warfare, that there's some people that would get goofy with it. So yeah. they just and that's exactly what the devil wants you to think. Well, that's what the devil wants you to think. That, oh, these people are going to go chasing this, that, and the other and casting the demon out of their bottled water, you know. That's what he wants you to think. That's what he wants you to think, that your people can't handle it. They're not mature yeah. enough. They don't, and I'm telling you, they're mature enough to house a devil. So listen, we, yeah. it's about time that we gotta stand. we got to stand up and do something about it, friends. That's exactly what the devil wants you to think is that they can't handle it. Now, we're always going to have somebody who's going to run off at You're just going to. It doesn't matter what we do, if it's prophecy, if it, you're always going to have somebody. But this is where that sound biblical teaching comes in from our pastors to be able to say, hey, guys, our spirit man, we all knew that wasn't right. Okay? But we do it in love, and, and we do it with correction. And if they want to receive the correction, praise the Lord. And if they don't, well, then maybe they go on. But we can't continue to – this is how I always described it. You're making everybody stay in for recess because of what little Johnny did. Listen, don't make me stay in from recess because of what he did. Listen, there's a real devil out there. Don't make everybody have to deal with devils just because you got one nut that might run off and do something crazy. We got to start confronting this enemy. Yes. Yes. Uh... We got to do it, Reason. Yes, listen, Pastor, um, well, I keep saying Pastor, I'm sorry. Oh, that's all right. Uh, uh, Don, 
I am going to pray for you, and we're going to ask that the church across the world that we all come together in agreement for him. I believe that this movie that's going to come out is going to really, really uh, help the church. I pray, well, let's just pray about what I'm feeling in my spirit. Amen. Lord, we just come before you tonight, Lord, in unity, the church across the world. And, Lord, we uphold our brother right now, Don. And, Lord, we just plead the blood of Jesus over him tonight. Lord, we thank you for... Uh, this experience that he had with Angelique, Lord, even if it was a very short amount of time, Lord, this story that you allowed him to be a part of, because uh, her story, Lord, is for your glory. And, Lord, I pray that her story would be amplified through movie, that she, that this uh, movie would accurately reflect the glory Uh, that needs to be reflected into a life that tries to find the light so much in such gross darkness, Lord. And I pray that even through the special effects and all the other editings that they do, Lord, I pray that it will, uh, that it will not sugarcoat, but that it will, it will be very plain and very to the point of exactly what happened so that people can be knocked back into truth, so that people can have, that it will jolt them uh, inside to be reactivated into the warfare again, Lord. I pray you use this movie, Lord, uh, in a very impactful way in the kingdom, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that you give them the money that they need to do it the money and the staff and all the things they need, Lord, because uh, video is such a powerful tool uh, to use. So winning, Lord. So we thank mm-hmm. you ahead of for the souls that will be impacted through this movie, Lord. And if there is a second book, Lord, that you would give him the words to say, bring things back to his remembrance of what she said, Lord. We pray, God, that you would anoint this so much. And, Lord, we pray, too, in just thanking you, this book, Lord, for putting it on his heart to write this book, Lord, so that we can learn, so that we can grow, so that we can be corrected and and be able to get back into right alignment, Lord, because we are in a very much war. And, Lord, we want to be a victorious bride. And, Lord, like he said, we are your sons and we are your daughters, Lord, and you love those that you correct. And, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to glean off him tonight. We thank you for him teaching us tonight, Lord, and we pray that you uh, put the blood of Jesus over him, send angels around him and his family, take them, Lord, we plead the blood of Jesus around their home. And this ministry center that they have, Lord, we plead the blood of Jesus over that. Lord, we thank you for giving him creative ways uh, to express the knowledge that you are giving him through all of these experiences, Lord. And we thank you for increasing the anointing on his life, Lord, into the uh, spiritual warfare whenever he travels, to be able to have the understanding of the portals, 
the understanding of locations of portals when he goes into these cities, like when you bring him to Washington, Lord, that he would have that uh, understanding before he comes of where to go and how uh, to tear these things down, Lord, because we need to have victory in territories in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you for him being on the broadcast tonight and giving us time tonight, Lord, in Jesus' name. Now, brother, would you please pray for our ministry, and then would you pray for the bride uh, that she would be able to uh, understand more about spiritual warfare and her position uh, in the kingdom, sir? Yes, amen. That's great. Thank you, Lord. Well, Father, I just I lift up Dr. June to you, Lord, and all that she is involved in, Father, Lord, I thank you for such a time as this. That's the words I keep hearing about you. For such a time as this, for such a time as this, you could have been born at any other time in history. You were born to be right here, right now, right where you're at. So, Father, I just thank you for the anointing that is upon her to be able to have divine connections, divine daily, Father, uh, hourly, Father God, in her position, to be able to make those divine connections so that truth can go forth through these media platforms, Father, that she carries. Lord, I thank you for the blessing upon her. I thank you, Father, for the financial blessing, Lord, that she could be able to expand and to have the equipment that she needs to be able to continue to spread the good news about what it is that you're doing, Father, and again, to expose the lies of the enemy. I I pray a protection over her and a divine favor to be able to get into some places where others can't get into. Father, that you would allow her to be able to walk into some areas maybe where others were not able to get into, Father God. And, Lord, that people would feel compelled to be able to, uh, uh, to tell her the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth, Father, that they would begin to pour out of themselves to her so that she can tell the world. And, Father, I just thank you for uh, the bride, Father God, those that are, that are tuning in, Father, that there's an army building. Father God, your army is building. And I thank you, Lord, that these are anointed warriors, again, for this season. And, Father, I just thank you, again, for specific battle plan in this season. Father, I thank you that you begin to open their eyes. Lord, I thank you that you begin to speak to them in dreams and in visions. Father, I thank you that prophecy begins to be fulfilled in their lives, for they've been spoken over about the things that they would do. And I thank you that this is that season of birthing, 5779, Father, that there would be a birthing. Father God, that these would now arise and their, their, their specific ministries would now be birthed into this, into this season, Father. I thank you, Lord, for bringing us together and making these connections, Father, all to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, I want you to tell them how they can find your book. Yeah, you can find the paperback copies. Uh, like what uh, yes, like what you're holding up there. You can find the paperback copies at two guysandabible.com. That's T W O guysandabible.com, and you can order the paperback copies there. Uh, the ebook is on Amazon Kindle or Barnes and Noble Nook, and you can go over there and order those as well. Now, when did you release this book, Don? Let's see. Oh. Uh, just a couple years ago, I think. Um, I think it was two years ago, January, that I released the book. Well, I wish I would have read this book a lot sooner. <laughs> <laughs> I sure do. But 
What's so funny is I just read this book right after the witch had spirit traveled to my windows. Mm-hmm. Listen, travel is nothing to play with because uh, I was in training years ago. If you have to get off here, just let me know. I just wanted to share no, a story. No, go ahead. Okay, thank you. Years ago, I was in training with this minister in uh, North Carolina, and she told me how to detect when a witch is around, whenever they've spirit traveled. She said, you will hear this big buzzing in your head like And I thought she was crazy, Don, when she told me this. (laughs) Uh, We was in prayer one night, and she said that they had come to the window trying to listen. I, I thought the woman was crazy. And then one day, I was this guy that I had interviewed on WATB radio. He was the top warlock in the nation who got saved and how the demons come after him and all this other stuff. Well, I was headed to the prison to see him in Mississippi. And it was a beautiful sunny day, and I had the windows down, and I had the top off. And I was just riding. I was like five miles from the prison. And I was worshiping the Lord, and all of a sudden, here they come. I was surrounded by like this coven of witches. They had traveled traveled to me. And so I saw it in the spirit, this buzzing in my head, and then all these. And I said, I see y'all. And I spoke to him. I said, you have to leave. And I told him, you're not going to stop me from seeing this man, you know, type of deal. So then they left, and then the buzzing stopped. So what I have figured out is, is that it's like it, they try to block your communication to God. You know? Sure. So that that's just my way of how God has showed me when they're around, mm-hmm. and I've actually only experienced it maybe three times. You know, but one of those was here right after I went and you know prayed over those Masonic lodges, and then they came over to my window. So I was. Happy to have you explain that to the bride, uh, just how that works and how they uh, leave their body and they travel to listen. You know, type. Of they thing. do. They yeah. It's familiar spirits. You know, the Bible talks yeah. about that familiar spirits, and uh, that's exactly what they're doing is traveling that way. And again, it's a counterfeit to what we have in Holy Spirit, the one that knows all things, that shows you things to come, uh, a spiritual discernment, if you will. And so, again, it's just the devil just trying to counterfeit what it is that God's doing and, and, and to gain knowledge on what it is that, that's taking place in what his enemies camp. And so and one uh, other, yeah, they're able to just tap into that. One other thing to clarify before we get off here, speaking in tongues, drives the witches crazy because when we speak in tongues, it's a language that they do not understand, correct? Correct. They just don't know what to do. It confuses them. But obviously they listen to our English because they understand that those ministers, by the words of their own mouth, were cursing their own city, and they didn't even have to curse it because the ministers... We're speaking all the negative things about their own city out of their mouth, correct? That's right. That's right. So obviously they listen. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they listen to the English, so when you're speaking negative, they're just over there shouting. Yeah, because they they understand the power of words. They understand this. 
that when God when God spoke, speaking for the purpose of communicating a point was God's secondary purpose of speaking. The reason God spoke was to create. And that seems to be something that they have a little better handle on than what we're understanding, is that when we speak a thing, we create a thing. And we're not just communicating a point, that there is power in our words. And that's what we have to, again, I know we kind of went through that phase there during Christianity, everybody, you know, mouth monitors and watching your mouth, but it's true. Mama was right. Watch your mouth. You'll have what you say. And that's the truth. Uh, what was it? Uh, is it Job that says, I shall decree a thing, and it shall be established unto me. Well, that works both ways, friends. So let's be very careful what we say, because we do create with our words. That is very true. Also, that should explain to us why speaking in tongues is so important. You know it? Yeah. Because we're not, we're allowing the spirit we're allowing the spirit to have control and the spirit always speaks perfectly. <clears throat> yes. That's right. Praise out the mystery. Well, is there we don't know how to pray. Before we get off here, you have the floor. Nope, I'm just I'm ready to I'm coming to see you. I'm coming to Washington and we're gonna run out some of them old devils up there. And uh oh, friends. Listen, we can't give up. We can't give up on our government. Now, listen to me, guys. I know things have been crazy. We can't give up on our government. There's a demonic, uh, there's a demonic root that is running through that thing. But, friends, this is our land. This is our land. And we can go and take that back and vote those devils out. Now, I'm not talking about Republican, Democrat. Don't get crazy on I me. Mean, I'm just saying we can come and run them devils out, and we're going to see a change in both parties. And where God is going to that, – that, that government will be placed back upon his shoulders, and it's going to come from us. We're going to do it. We're going to run those devils out. So I'm going to come see you soon. Yes, because I want to tell you something, Don. I have interviewed over 400 ministers over the past uh, six years, right? Mm-hmm. And I didn't get to – you know, maybe when you come up here, we can do a live broadcast with you <clears throat> Where we can have you share your life story. Sure. But I've interviewed all these ministers, and they all have such great visions. You know, like, God has given them visions to build massive places to help their communities and to help the people in prison and help nursing homes and, and all this stuff. And I'm thinking... Lord, why would you give all your people these visions if they're not going to be able to fulfill it? I mean, it just sounds like such a cruel God. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I Mm -hmm. believe that, yes, we are in a, you know, a time period of a window that if we don't get it right, it will collapse. We all know it's going to collapse one day for sure because time will come and that's what the word says. But I do not believe that it's right now. I believe that we have the window. What do you think, sir? No, I agree. That's exactly the way. We have a window of opportunity here. Well, and I'm just going to say it this way, and I'm not trying to be political. We have a window of opportunity under a President Trump to get work done as Christians. And I'll just say it this way for those that maybe don't care for him. At least, at, 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 at the least, he's at least 
leaving the church alone to allow her to do what she needs to do. I, I believe it's more than that. But even for those that are critics of him who are believers, at least he's leaving us alone to be able to get work done where previous administrations worked against us very hard. And so now is our time, friends. It probably won't get much easier than it is right now. And so there is a window to get work done and sweep these people into the kingdom right now while it's daytime, as Jesus said, because the night comes when no man can work. Let's get work done while the daytime. Bam! In your face, devil. That was a <laughs> I tell you what, it's been a pleasure interviewing you tonight, and I speak so many blessings over you. And listen, <clears throat> Thank the people you. that are watching, they're saying stuff like, oh, I'm so glad I got to hear this tonight. <laughs> they're very thankful that they was able to listen to you tonight. Well, it was good to be with you. Yes. Well, you have a great evening, sir, and God bless you. I will. Blessings. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Bye.